Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and back with me today... For the last time for, I think, a couple of weeks, two weeks serious, he's got to take the bar exam, and then he's going to take a much-deserved vacation right after that to kind of relax a little bit, is my co-host, Curtis. And today on the show, we have a lot of recruiting talk for you guys. There has been a ton of news on the recruiting front over the past week or so. Some good, some not so good, some inducing a meltdown on social media. So in light of all that, all the questions that we've gotten on this topic over the past couple of days, we wanted to take at least one episode here today and focus exclusively on the world of Georgia recruiting. And also, I guess, branch out a little bit and look at the landscape of college football recruiting in general. We've got a ton to talk about. We're going to take this in a lot of different directions, and we will get to all of that here in just a moment. But first, I do want to remind you guys out there, if you have not heard yet, I don't know, maybe you guys haven't heard this yet. Maybe you haven't listened to the past couple weeks of episodes, but I have started a brand new national college sports podcast. I'm going to make this one short for you today, guys, but just in case there's some people out there that are new and haven't heard, it is called Never Graduate, and I am taking the same brand of hardcore nuts and bolts passionate coverage of Georgia sports that we give you here on Glory UJ. I'm applying it to the national college football scene because obviously I'm a Georgia guy through and through. I bleed red and black. It is my life. It is my identity. But I also just love the sport of college football. And I think a lot of you out there are like me. So I've been given the opportunity by our distribution partners to to kind of branch off and also launch a new general college sports, college football heavy podcast. And again, it's called Never Graduate. We are what now four or five episodes in. Bottom line is, if you like this podcast, if you enjoy our type of content, our brand of coverage, you're going to enjoy Never Graduate. It's the same thing. I'm just talking about other teams and trying to get you ready for the 2022 football season as a whole. We get you ready for Georgia football here on this podcast, which is not going anywhere, by the way. And on Never Graduate, I'm getting you ready for the larger picture. There is a separate feed, a separate RSS feed. So it is its own podcast. And you can go check it out there. You can just type in Never Graduate, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Pods, Spotify, wherever it is. But I've had a couple of you guys reach out to me and ask me if it would be possible to just directly upload those Never Graduate episodes into the Glory UGA feed just to make it easier for you because you're already subscribed to Glory UGA 
and it just would pop up right there, make it easy for you. You can go to Never Graduate and subscribe there. But for some of you, if that's easier, I have reached out to our distribution partners and asked them if that was cool, just making sure they were cool with that. I'm cool with it. It doesn't matter. I want to make it as easy as possible for you guys. So that's what we're going to do. Starting this week, I am going to upload those Never Graduate episodes, our National College Triple episodes, to two spots. We're going to upload them to the Never Graduate feed, so you can still listen to them there. That's not going anywhere. But I'm also going to upload them here to the Glory UGA feed. Now, they will be labeled clearly so you can see, hey, this is a national podcast. This Never Graduates, not just specifically Georgia football. But we've had quite a few people reach out and ask if that was possible, and I don't see why it's not possible. So we're going to do it. I just wanted to come on here and give you a heads up on that so you didn't get confused and be like, why is this random college football episode being uploaded to this Glory UGA fee when it's not specifically about Georgia football? So I just want to give you a heads up so you weren't like completely thrown for a loop and confused there. I think that'll make it easier for people. I hope it does. And just uh, we're just trying to be as accommodating as we can when it comes to how you guys get our content. But anyway, whether you listen to it on the Glory GA feed or you listen to it on the new Never Graduate feed, please give it a shot. I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. I'm making it for you guys. Just like I made this podcast for you guys, Curtis and I and Charlie and I, we put this together really for you diehard fans. And I wanted to give you that same outlet when it came to national college football. So give it a shot. Give it a listen. Uh, If you like what you hear, we would really appreciate it. If you give us a five-star rating review, that's a big help. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at NoGradPod. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. Hey, we'd also take those five-star ratings and reviews on Glory UGA as well. You guys, a lot of you I know have already done that, but if you haven't, if you're one of our newer listeners, hey, if you like what you hear, we love you guys and we'd really appreciate it if you would help us out and give us those five-star ratings and reviews. That's one huge way that you can help keep this thing going strong for many, many years into the future because that is our plan. All right, Curtis. It is that time of year, my friend. The season is just around the corner. I think we're in that mode where it's so close but so far away. But this is the time of year where recruiting every single year takes center stage. And I would argue that's more so the case this year than than I can think of in recent memory, at least, where you have more top prospects going public with summer commitments than I think I've ever seen, Curse. Am I making that up or – is that really a trend we've seen this summer yet more big time guys going public than ever before? Um, I mean, you always see the quarterbacks go public in the summer. So um, I don't think that's shocking, but you are seeing a lot of maybe athletes, skill position players go public more, which I think is sometimes they, they've been the ones that have usually held out. Yeah, you're right. Quarterbacks, generally speaking, go early, sometimes even earlier in the summer, sometimes like a class before, because that's usually what the program wants to build their recruiting class around. So that's nothing that's really new, but you're seeing more position guys, as you mentioned, like skill talent guys going, go just, they're just getting off the board quicker than I think ever before. Like, I don't have anything concrete to back that up, but it just, that's my observation following this stuff as closely as I do. But it, it's been kind of interesting to watch that. And we'll come back to that here in a few minutes, but I want to start here, Curtis, because the most recent top 100 prospect to go public with his commitment has caused, uh, let's just call it a wave of distress in the Bulldog Nation. And that, of course, is running back Justice Haynes. Yes, if you've been living under a rock and you are not familiar with him, which is okay, not everyone can pay attention at all times, but if you're not familiar with Justice Haynes, the last name might sound slightly familiar. That is indeed the son of Veron Haynes of Hobnail Boot fame, my personal favorite Larry Munson call of all time. Um, And he shocked everyone on Sunday 
So yesterday, we're recording this Monday, but he shocked everyone on Sunday when he went public with his commitment to Alabama. Curtis, this is a legacy from the state of Georgia who everyone in the recruiting industry was essentially calling a Georgia lock, yet he commits to Bama. So let's just start here. What happened and why did Haynes spurn the hometown Bulldogs in favor of the Crimson Tide? I think the biggest thing is um, you have to account for NIL. I think that was a huge thing. And then another thing I want to mention, and you, I've seen it before, is when kids have opportunities to commit to schools and they don't and they keep pushing it off and pushing it off and almost seem as if they're looking for a reason not to, you have to start questioning if that's where they actually want to go because he's had every opportunity to commit to Georgia. Um, he's visited a lot, quite a few times. Um and he just it, he never pulled the trigger except in all those times from insiders or sports writers or like you know he could pop any time but yet he just kept pushing it back farther and farther um so i think that those are my two biggest things is i think nil is a big part of it and then second off is he almost looked to be looking for a reason not to go to georgia yeah that's one of those things that, that, that's a very astute observation curtis you know this is a guy again if you're a legacy and everyone kind of assumes you're going to go to Georgia. Your dad is this legend, especially for the hobnail boo play. And, you know, you've been recruited by Georgia. You're a top 100 guy. You're a top-level recruit. They they want you. It's RBU. It just seems like a match made in heaven. So you should have or could have pulled the trigger at any point in the last, like, honestly, year plus. And he hasn't. You, you keep hearing all he was trending towards Georgia, but he still wasn't committing. So that's a really astute observation there. I think you mentioned NIL, Curse. How much of – how much – do you think NIL played a factor in his decision to go to Alabama? Because, look, again, as we always say when we talk about recruiting, Curtis and I do not call these guys – like, we're not recruiting writers, okay? Like, we are – like when it comes to recruiting, we are like all of you. I mean, I know a few people here in town around the program, but I'm not dialed into the recruiting scene. We follow it very closely, though. We follow recruiting writers, all these people who do this stuff professionally. And, Curtis, according to those people, I mean, they were all shocked, first off. Like, they were completely taken off guard, caught off guard with this. And they were saying that as recently as earlier this week, our staff still felt very good about Haynes. So do you, how much do you think NIL played a factor late in this process, I guess is the question. I think it has to have played a factor. I mean, the biggest thing is we mentioned Georgia has this RBU built around it and all these things, and yet the trigger was never pulled. Um, and so realistically, you're seeing a lot for skilled players too. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely I, – I think you'd have to be naive to not think that NIL played some role in this, right? Like, I'm, I don't know what role, and I don't know how much. I don't know. But in this in this day and age, I think you'd have to be naive to put your hand in the, in the sand and say, oh, no, it had nothing to do with it. I, it yeah, and that's, and that's why I think – I think that, like you said, you're naive. I don't know if it was the deciding factor because, I mean, Alabama, there's so many good things to say about it, realistically for prospects. Yeah, I mean, yeah you can't knock it, um, but you also can't knock Georgia. So when you're coming down to legacy and all the things about Georgia and the RBU and stuff, and yet you make this decision at the very end when it's almost been a foregone conclusion you're going to Georgia, you have to question what was the difference maker. Yeah, I think, again, I mean, I don't know for sure. I don't have any, like, verifiable facts. Now, usually I hate to bring speculation onto this podcast without having something to back it up. I really do. But when you talk about recruiting, that's really the name of the game with recruiting, Curtis. I mean, even recruiting writers themselves, there's a lot of speculation. It's just 
what you have to do because we don't talk to these guys. We don't know them. There's things you hear here, things you hear there, and it's you got to speculate a little bit. So, again, I'm just reading the tea leaves here, looking at the college football landscape in general, especially, you know, Nick Saban essentially, you know, when he called Jimbo out, like I, I guess he did call him out by name. I mean, he was essentially alluding to the idea that, okay, well, they're doing this, so – Better watch out. We're coming too. And you can see Alabama certainly dipping more into the uh, into the NIL game. But I, I think you'd have to be naive to think to say that didn't have anything to do with it. But how much does something like this also factor in, Curse? You know, you see this from time to time. Like, you know, Cade Mays back in the day from Tennessee. It was a Tennessee legacy. And then he commits to Georgia. Now, ultimately, he obviously ends up back at Tennessee. But there's this pull, I guess, for some players sometimes to kind of create their own legacy and not kind of be caught in their father's shadow, I guess, more or less. How much do you think that might have played a factor in this for for Justice Haynes? I mean, it could have played a factor, but I think Cade Mays is a terrible example. And the only reason I say that is because he was committed to Tennessee and it just they yeah. were a dumpster fire at the time. Yeah, they, they were made just that decision. Yeah. Yeah. If they had been a stable program in the position where Georgia is coming off a national championship, I would have been shocked if someone would have made that decision. Um but you are right. It does factor in. And sometimes kids want to go out and make their own legacies. And I mean, I get that and I don't fault them. But I think um, I don't I just don't know how much that played into it, because I think what sticks out to me the most is from the bits and pieces I've been able to gather, our staff was completely thrown for a loop. And it seems that they're kind of angry at the way it went down in the end, which makes me question what was really going on. You certainly get that vibe reading some things today, and and, talk, I, and I put some feelers out to people, and that's kind of the vibe that I got. I didn't get anything really hard, but it's kind of like, whoa, he's yeah, you know, he. I don't want to say he lied, but misled. Okay, let's just say that that's kind of the the vibe that I was getting today. Um, so yeah, I think that like the going back to that question, I do think that for some kids that matters more than others, and it's like for me, it's hard to answer that without knowing the young man. I don't know him, but I think you could feasibly say that might have had something to do with it. And here's something I was kind of just racking my brain, curse like why, like what happened here, what's going on? What about the way that Bama approaches the running back position versus the way that Georgia approached the running back position? And what I mean by that is we've made it very clear that we're not going to really feature any one particular running back. We really like to share the carries, spread the love, keep guys fresh and healthy as much as possible. Whereas Bama, I mean, going back years and years, they usually have a guy, like a dude, like a Najee, Najee Harris, who like was the guy for them. And Brian Robinson might get two or three carries a game, but it's Najee's show. How much do you think something like that might have factored into his decision? Um, You know, I do think it factors in potentially. I think it's, you know, it's always been a selling point that we can – prolong these guys careers potentially by giving them less carries but I thought I, I, I was going to get into this later in the show if the opportunity came about but one thing that's really sticking out to me is that since Kirby Smart has been here at the major positions of wide receiver running back and quarterback we have had zero first round picks and that's hard not to look at as a skill player yeah well I would say running back's been devalued in general but I mean, the point they, they have they have saying. been they have been devalued, yes, and you're not seeing as many. But we aren't also not getting anyone in the Heisman contention. A hundred percent. Look, I, I, Curtis, this is something that I've gone back and forth on because I do think and it depends on the kid. It really does. Like some of these kids coming out of high school, they can get sold on, hey, we want to share the carries, keep you healthy, don't put as much tread on the tires. So when you get to the NFL, you can have a longer career, you can make more money in the NFL. That works with some kids. 
but it's not going to work with every kid because you're right. Because some kids want that glory. They want to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. And at Georgia, I mean, Curtis, I guess Todd Gurley, if he could have stayed healthy, could have potentially been the Heisman Trophy conversation. Maybe Nick, if he would have stayed healthy, uh, was that back in 2015? Potentially, maybe, but not really with the way our season ended that way. So, like, we just don't, like, if you're talking about Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley, we're not in the Heisman Trophy conversation in Georgia because we were still splitting carries as good as they were. You're probably not going to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation if you play running back at Georgia. Is that fair to say? I think it is. We've always talked about it. I mean, it, right now we're it'll. I, I very well could see another year where I don't know if we have another a thousand yard rusher between everyone there. And That's I know, and I think that is a troubling sign. And I think it's you know we'll get into it more as I, I, I figure we're going to talk recruiting, but when. Ki- these young men are not getting pushed forward and showcased enough. To, and, and right now, especially as we're talking about the NIL, that's a huge thing. Well, if they're not putting up the stats and they're sharing it, they're not going to get these the NIL deals that actually make a difference to these young men. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it, Curtis, 100%. Jermaine Burton's a great example of this, right? Jermaine Burton, why did he leave George go to Alabama? He, he wanted more touches, Right. I mean, it, it's, it's that simple. He wants to get featured the way that Jamison Williams and John Mechie and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and all those guys have been featured. That's what he wants. He says, well, Georgia, I'm not going to get that because, first off, we don't throw the ball as much as Alabama. And when we do, we spread around to the tight ends, the running back. Sure, receivers get a few here and there, but we spread out to different receivers, whether it's Lab McConkie, A.D. Mitchell. I'll get, you know, maybe three or four looks a game. Why do I want to do that? With all this NIL money floating around, I'm not going to get mine. Why don't I go to Bama where I become more of a feature part of the offense and I can get mine, right? Is that that essentially what you're saying? It it is exactly what I'm saying. And I mean, right now you're seeing that's what's happening. We're not getting big time. It's going to be another – it's been a while since we've gotten a really game-changing receiver. I mean, I know A.D. Mitchell is playing better than what we expected, but we're not getting these five-star game-changing players that are going to hurt us when we play them and it's gonna be hard to keep these kids because when you're not showcased that's what matters to these kids and that's true Curtis I I will agree with you 100% there I would push back just a little bit and say well what about tight end because like if we're throwing the ball because look we're just not featuring receivers we're featuring more tight ends that's the position we're featuring right now in Todd Munkin's offense so by virtue of that fact look at how we're recruiting that tight end room we I mean Todd I mean look Todd Harley's fantastic but we were able to pull those guys in, the, the Darnell Washington's, the Brock Bowers, the Arik Gilberts, the Pierce Sperlins, the Lawson Luckies, the Oscar Delps, all these guys because we are featuring that position. So if all of a sudden now we start to feature the wide receiver position, yeah, we can recruit receivers better, but do we drop off at, at tight end recruiting? Well, my thing is, though, is you've got to find a balance because you're not going to win a national championship with just tight ends. Kind of did last year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but we had enough balance. I mean, we still had good okay, running backs. Fair. And I think that's the biggest thing is it, I just – I don't think that we can do it all on ourselves because we're allowing everyone else around us to load up and make themselves yeah. more versatile. Yeah. And I will say this too. Like the one – the two positions that we've been recruiting really well and running back forever, but it's running back and tight end because that's who we feature in our offense. So I will I will agree with you, Curtis. It's at least mildly concerning that, okay, well, we kind of hung our hats on re- – recruiting tight ends and receiver and running backs. That's who we feature in our offense. And then we kind of sacrifice receiver recruiting because we don't really feature those guys. Well, that's fine. And you can be okay with kind of brushing off, not getting five-star receivers when you're still getting all those five-star high four-star running backs and tight ends. And we're doing that in the tight end room. But when you miss a guy like this, it hurts a little bit more, right? Yeah. I mean, think back to 
I'm not ready to write off Kendall Milton, but you go with him instead of Tank Bigsby, and these are and now is when you're going to start feeling those misses. Yeah, I mean, well, well, well Tank was with that was Zach Evans, really more than anything. Like I will say, that was a bad eval. I mean, I don't say I don't put that all on Del McGee. Um, I certainly had to hit a large part in that. Obviously, he's the running back coach, and I'm sure the other coaches had had a say in that. Kirby had a say in that, but that was a mistake. I've said that several times. Like going all in on Zach Evans with all the red flags that guy had, and I get how talented he was. He's extraordinarily talented, but with all the red flags that he had, and you got a guy like Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby in your own backyard, who maybe not quite as talented, but I mean we're talking about very small margins there. And he was ready to come to Georgia, and you say uh, thanks, but no thanks. We're gonna go with this guy. That was a mistake, honestly. You know, hundred percent mistake. Here's the one thing I want to talk about though, and you talked about it. Like we've been showcasing our tight ends and things that make them good. But the thing is, when we only had one or two tight ends that you can throw to, yeah, that's easy. A receiver, I, hopefully it changes, but our rotation was at the detriment of recruiting. You're like, oh, we're keeping guys fresh. Okay, well, that's why we have receivers that have, you know, we're one of the teams with so many guys having so many catches and so many yards, but individual players don't care about that. They care about being the one that's getting targeted. Like, you may not throw the ball as many as many times as other people, but you have to do a better job of targeting your stars and, and showcasing them more. I first, I I hundred percent agree with that. Like, I I do. Like, if if we're gonna feature tight ends, running backs in our offense, which worked to a national championship level last year, so I got no problem with that. But I hundred percent agree with you. Why are we rotating receivers essentially every single play? And yeah, and I that's the thing. You, you, lot, you, come on. you can you can still target Brock so many times and Gilbert and all these guys still get them their targets, but you can't have five guys rotating at one position on and wide receiver and five different guys getting targeted at that one position instead of keeping one guy in there at the X or the Z or whatever and having him get the bulk of those targets when that position is at least being targeted. You're exactly right, Curtis. I mean, let's go back to LSU 2019. Jefferson and Chase. Never came off the field, Curtis. They never came off the field. Devontae and, Smith, Jalen Waddle, rarely, if and, ever, and, came and off the field. That's what did. gets me. That's what gets me. I think it's you hear the BS, well, we're fresh. Well, it's worked for all these other teams, and those guys seem to stay fresh and put up yards and catches and things. So why can their players stay fresh and do it, but our guys can't? And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because then all of a sudden, okay, well, cool. Now we've featured all these guys, or I should say it's a self-sustaining deal where, okay, now you feature these guys, you have verifiable evidence that you can put up these numbers. You have proof of concept that you will actually get these guys numbers. And then you can go out and use that to recruit more five-star guys. We don't do that. I do think you're right, Curtis, in the saying that essentially we handicap ourselves when it comes to wide receiver recruiting. I for no reason whatsoever. For I don't, I get you keep guys happy, but what good is it keeping, you know, yeah mid-range guys happy instead of having studs and keeping them happy i mean kirby i mean kirby likes on competition and i get to a degree it's like the more you play guy the more guys you play the more buy-in you get in your program because if guys don't play and they're, and they're practicing really hard they can become malcontents that there is something to that a hundred percent when it comes to the locker room and the culture of your program and i think culture really does matter so i get that aspect of it but the bottom line is that you got to have talent to win i say that Almost, every, I feel like every week I come in here, on here and talk about how much how important talent is, and you're not gonna, we're not going to get the guys that receiver that we need to consistently get 
until we start featuring guys. It's just that simple. You're 100 right, man. I cannot agree with you more there. I really and, I, and and that goes back to what I was talking about earlier with zero. You know, no running backs, no quarterbacks. Uh, quarterbacks a whole different thing. We get into that later. But then you also have no receivers being drafted in the first round. That maybe George would have been the the one. He probably would have been the one. Guy that that the, the, I really do think him getting hurt killed us, Curtis. I think he, he, he was the one exception. Guy. But even then, in yeah. seven years, you have one. You could have had one guy in the first round compared to all the other teams that were competing against Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, all these teams, mm-hmm. they, they have one every year, and we can't even get one in seven years. Yeah, I, Curtis, I, I don't have anything to, to refute that, man, because I totally agree with you. I really do. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Well, let's get back on Justice Haynes here, real, real quick, because I know we have a couple things we want to get to. So we talked about maybe why, but here's, I think, the bigger question, Curse. This is where people are kind of losing their minds. How much does it hurt the Georgia football program to not land Justice Haynes? I think it maybe we go and get Richard Young, I believe, is the guy yeah. that was, you know, going oh, towards yeah. Bama. But Haynes was a more versatile guy that fits more, I, I believe, in my opinion, of what we want to do. But I think it hurts us. It's a bad look when we've had someone like this pretty much locked down for so long, and then we allow someone else to come in and swoop in with NIL, which is happening left and right to us. Yes, and yet we're doing nothing. We're staying stubborn in our philosophy. I don't know if it's of, happening left and right, but it's happening too often for my. Well, life. it's happening I'll, I'll left and right with these big name players yeah, that we're that we're true. in it, and then all of a sudden. At the very end, we're just out of it. I mean, I, I thought it was an even bigger slap in the face that he said we finished third. Yeah, man. Like again, like I don't know the guy, but just the people that I've talked to um, didn't take kindly to that because that was not the vibe that they were getting from him and the family. Let's just say that. Yeah, let's just put put it that way. Uh, but Chris, I think it's here's what I would say. I, I think people are emotional about it. I think like what you said there is a slap in the face. Yes, but see, here's what I say. Like I don't think it really impacts us that much on the field to lose this guy. I think it's more about wounded pride than anything when it comes to losing just. Well, it's, it's wounded pride. It's wounded pride, and then like the one thing I keep on is like I said, it's happened far too often, as you put it, which I think is a better way of putting of losing guys at the end with nil, and it does start make you questioning of. What 
when when is when are things going to give? When are things going to change? Because our philosophy is not working right now. And I think that that to me, that's actually what I get out of this more than losing Haynes. Which maybe we get if we get young, it's kind of maybe a wash and not the end of the world. But it does raise the bigger flag of something has to be different. All right, hold that thought, Curse. So that's the next place we're going. Hold that thought. Let me finish real quick on Haynes, and we'll come to that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's we're gonna have a whole segment on just that. 100%. All right. So here's my thing with Haynes real quick and just knock this out. I know people are probably tired of hearing us talking about Justice Haynes. But yeah, like I said, I think it's more wounded pride than anything here because hear me when I say this. I'm not, I, I know people always say, oh, you're just sour grapes. You know, you lose a guy and you say he's not good. I'm not saying Justice Haynes is not good. I'm not saying it at all. He's a good player. But come on. Like when you watch this guy play, I, 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 this is me. I mean, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. I do not see a generational type talent or anything like that. I do not see a player who is going to make or break your program. I personally do not think he is a special back. I mean, seriously, guys, I got a question. This is a serious question for everyone out there, everyone listening. Before you saw the news yesterday that Justice Haynes is going to Alabama, I'm sure you probably knew the name, you'd heard the name, because he's a legacy kid. How many of you had actually watched his high school tape before yesterday? I'm sure some of you had, but I also would say not all of you had, right? You just heard he was really good. Well, I would challenge you to go watch the tape. You'll see, in my opinion, you will see a very good back, a player that would absolutely be a contributor at the University of Georgia. But I do not see a game changer in the vein of a Todd Gurley, a Nick Chubb, a Sony Michelle, a guy like that. I simply do not. And you mentioned Richard Young, Curtis. Now he's a guy that we at one point earlier in this in this cycle we had led for him. He's, he's been trending towards Alabama for a while now. But like you said with with Haynes, Curtis, he had never pulled the trigger on Alabama. So maybe there's something to read into that. Well, now Haynes goes to Alabama. And maybe they get a, a hell of a one-two punch. Maybe, maybe. But if we can somehow get back into this Richard Young and swing the tide back in our favor with him, I would take that trade 100 times out of 100. Because when I watch Richard Young's tape, I see a bigger, faster, more explosive, and just generally more dynamic running back than Justice Haynes. I believe Richard Young's a game-changer type talent. I do not think there are many backs in a given class like him every single year. I don't think you can say the same about Justice Haynes. Again, not saying he's not a good player. He's a good player. I'm not saying he's a dime or a dime a dozen type guy. He's not that. But there are multiple players in every single recruiting cycle that can do what Justice Haynes does, in my opinion, that can perform at a very similar level. And, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier with the devalue, how the running back position has been devalued. But I do think, like, Curtis, don't you think running back is like the most replaceable and interchangeable position on the field? Um, or the, like there are elite guys, like there are the yeah. I would say compared guys. compared to receiver and other things because receiver is the one you can't coach separation, can't coach. Or I mean, there's certain things that you just can't that you can coach up, but there's certain skills that flash. And I think scheme wise, running backs can be masked with yeah, the read option and things like that. Yeah. See, I, what I would say is like there are the like elite elite backs. Like I was again, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, those kind of guys. And then I think there's a the next tier is like a bunch of really good guys that are kind of thrown together there that are essentially interchangeable. And I would put Justice Haynes more in that mix of really good players who aren't really quite elite, special, game-changer type backs. That's kind of where I put him. Doesn't make him a bad player. I would love to have him. If you want to come to Georgia, I'd welcome him with open arms. But that doesn't mean that he's a game-changing type back, which I think Richard Young is. And I'm not saying we're going to get Richard Young. That might still be an uphill battle itself. But I think this certainly opens the door for that possibility. And again, I will... Say it again. I would take that trade 
Richard Young for Justice Haynes 100 times out of 100 based on what I have seen. That's my opinion. You guys might not agree with it, which is cool, but that's what I would say there. I'd also say this, Curtis, um, in terms of how much does this hurt hurt us, first off, or not first off, I guess second off, no one has signed anything yet, right? Like there's still a long way to go in this cycle. Kirby has been known to flip a guy here or there. We've seen that many I would say I would say that you will see flips, yes. I doubt yeah. it with Haynes first. Sure. Yeah, I don't think it would be Haynes. I really don't. But I think yeah, it could be I, think, like, I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the vibe. Yeah, Curtis. I, yeah. Um, again, I don't want to put words in my mouth and like don't have like, I don't know. I just, let's just say the vibe I've gotten again is that, yeah, that ship's kind of sailed. You never say never in recruiting, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. But the, the transfer portal too, Curtis, like that mitigates any recruiting loss these days. You know, like Georgia is still a very attractive place for a running back. So if there's a, a, a big time running back out there that's looking to transfer going into the 2023 season, you have to think we'd be a big player in that. Yeah, right? look at Bama getting Jamar Gibbs. They need they had no one, and so you get the best guy on the market. Georgia, we had multiple guys, but come next year, we may not be in that position. That we could be in the position to land that top running back. Yeah, hundred percent. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Curtis. This is where you were trying to head a few minutes ago. I appreciate your patience here. Let's go ahead and get to it. It's time to look at the bigger picture here. And I mentioned earlier how, you know, between NIL and the growing trend of summer official visits, the recruiting timeline for a lot of these top players has at least seemingly been accelerated more than I think ever before. That's just me, but that's kind of how I'm seeing all this, all this go down this summer. And for Georgia, I think the early commitments have been a bit of a mixed bag. We've gotten some big time players. We've landed CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson and Troy and Troy Bowles at linebacker, which I think is the best linebacker group in the country. Troy Bowles, Troy Bowles. I have trouble saying that name, man. That just kind of puts together there. It's tough. Uh, I think he's one of the best linebackers I've seen on tape in quite a while. I am obsessed with him. I think he's incredible. I think he should be a five-star. The fact that he's not, I think got moved down by like on three, which is crazy to me, but whatever. AJ Harris, big time guy. Jamal Jarrett, he's going public on Tuesday. Right now, I hesitate to say this after what happened. Yeah, I'm, with, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not getting ahead of myself anymore right now. Yeah, I know. I wish we could like put this off for one more day. We had to record it today, but like I, I right now, and I can eat my words. It's looking good for Jamal Jarrett. Knock on wood. Like let's just say that. So there's there's that, which is great. But then you've got big time misses like Arch Manning, Sadir Mitchell, the defensive tackle. Obviously, Justice Justice Haynes, Jaden Wayne went to Miami, which which is just an nil factory over there. Uh, Caleb Downs from Mill Creek in Gwinnett County is not committed anywhere, but certainly been trending away for a while now, and I, I think that's unlikely that we're going to land him at this point. So it's been kind of a mixed bag, but. Because I think the bottom line is that we have missed on some guys, and you were alluding to this earlier, that pre-NIL, you feel like we would have gotten. Like, you even go back to, like, last year's class. Levius Overton, who reclassified, who was going to be the number one guy in this class, he reclassified last year. Where does he end up? Texas A&M. Huh. 
I wonder if NIL had anything to do with that. Of course it did. So we've missed on some guys that you feel like we would have probably gotten in years past. And that brings to the question that, man, like we're discussing this on an annual basis at this point, right around this time of year. I mean, I think every year since 2018, at least four years running, we hit July, guys commit somewhere else, rival teams have classes inside the top five. We're sitting somewhere around the fringe top 10 in July and the fan base loses its collective mind. And for the three years in a row, Curtis, you know, I've sat here and said, hey, you know, stop doubting Kirby. You got to learn your lesson. Doesn't matter what things look like now. Just wait until signing day and and all will be good. You got to trust in Kirby, right? Trust in King Kirby. But fanhood is passionate and often irrational. So I'll put it to you for the at least the fourth year in a row, Curtis. On a scale of one to ten, I put this question out on, on Twitter today. We got a lot of. A lot of responses to this, a lot of different responses. But for you, Curtis, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your panic level right now on July 18th when it comes to Georgia football recruiting? 10 being you know this, DEFCON 10. You know, I trust Kirby um, realistically, and I do know if I if I had to have someone running our program, I'm glad it's him. But I'm going to actually go with a 7. Whoa, whoa, okay. Oh, I didn't, okay, so you're changing your tune for three years in a row. You're like, guys, chill out. So now you're well, saying a seven. Here's the thing. If it was old days, I wouldn't be worried. But in okay. this new age of NIL, I have to question Kirby. And the reason I do is because, as I mentioned, he has shown a stubbornness for his philosophy and maybe what he's getting buy-in from our administration, which if this is the best buy-in he can get, I, then it's questionable all around if we're going to be serious going forward. But if your motto is, you know, you'll get some money here, but the big money's on the paydays to come and when you get to the NFL. Well, for certain positions, yes, that can work. But when you're looking at other positions like skill players, especially when we don't have a history, as previously mentioned, of putting these guys in the league in the first round and showcasing them and getting them big signing bonuses and contracts and things like that, you're going to have to do better because right now, especially, there's no guarantee that these guys are going to make it to the league. They need to get money while they can. Some are coming from bad situations. You don't know what their reasons are. A lot are. of them are, Curtis. A lot of them Yeah, are. and I know we can question them for taking the money early, but when when you're not in that situation, like where you think back to Todd Gurley taking money mm-hmm. to put get a roof for his mother, you yep. can't question. I and mean, it's hard to question those kids' is, um, reasons for doing it. But the fact is your philosophy of just taking a little bit of money now and tra- waiting until you get to the league is not working. And we we were told that Kirby had, had really changed his tune and that we were going to be ready for this this next wave. And yet every big player is shown that we are not serious enough about because well, not every big whatever player, a lot of them. Well, the players that it could make a difference, we're out of it. And I know I'm not trying to say we should get into bidding wars and all these things, but we have got to make more attractive offers to these young men. I think we should get in bidding wars. Why not? Well, I mean, but I mean, I do think bidding wars and maybe, maybe come December when it's closer to signing day and it's easier to get into a late bidding war. Maybe that's the philosophy, but the fact is we have to do more on the upfront because we are getting beaten left and right. And I know it's not just us losing kids, but it's all across the country. Kids are going places for the money. And yet, some of them are good schools still, too, like Alabama mm-hmm. and other places. But 
the money is also going to change these schools and make them better schools, more attractive and winning programs, putting kids in the league because then they're accumulating all the talent, which Georgia was doing for so long, which made us attractable, well, attractive. And then and now if we lose kids and the other schools are allowed to get into a better footing and establish themselves as more stable programs, we're going to be playing catch up. And everything we built these last six, seven years with Kirby is realistically going to fall behind and it'll feel like we're back in the Mark Rick days. Chris, it's all very well said and very well reasoned, and I'm not going to take too much of an issue with that because there's a big part of me that kind of feels that way. I kind of go back and forth because I'm a passionate fan like anyone else out there, and I'm not going to sit here and say I've never had those thoughts. Those thoughts have come to my mind. And usually I kind of sit, sit down and kind of reason myself through and say, all right, no, it's cool. It's fine. But I get where you're coming from. My number right now would probably – I think I'm going to put it at a three. And uh, let me kind of explain why here real quick and why I'm not quite as high as you are at the, at the seven level. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I trust Kirby almost implicitly when it comes to recruiting because to this point, because this class is not done yet, and that's that's a, that's factoring to my decision. He's given me no reason to doubt him to this point. I mean, he's been the best in the game for a while now. He's relentless. He's demanding of his coaching staff. He's detail-oriented. He's a highly intelligent man. All these things make him, I think, the best true recruiter in the game. But here's why I kind of agree with you, Curtis. In the traditional context of recruiting, the way it's been all pre-NIL, this would be a zero for me because we've been there and done that, right, Curtis? We've been, we've, and that's how it's been the past couple of years. That's exactly, and that's the only reason I changed my tune yeah. is that was what we were, the circumstances of before, but now circumstances have changed. And not only that, but get, at this time last year, I probably wouldn't have even, I'd be in the same boat as you at the three. But I think what worries me the most is that we're a year in now and we are told things have changed. Yeah. Have they really? Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, you're right. NIL has unequivocally changed the game. And recruiting is happening in a new context now. And I'm worried that maybe that new context doesn't really jive with what Kirby does best. I've said this before in the show. I'll say it again. I Kirby, when it comes to the personal aspect of recruiting, I think is the best in the country. I don't think there's anyone that can match him. But I'm afraid, and it's clear, I'm not even afraid, it's clear recruiting has become more transactional. I'm not saying it was, there was, there was always a, a transactional aspect to like, hey, what can you do for me? How can you develop me to get me to, NF, to the NFL? But now with NIL, it's become all, like almost ex- exclusively transactional for a lot of these guys. And the personal component of it has been devalued. And so when it's become more transactional, less personal, I have some concerns on how we are going to be able to respond to that because we have excelled at the personal. The transactional that's not really been our forte. That's new. That's uncharted territory for us. And I'm going to give you an analogy, Curtis. This is kind of, I'm trying to think through this, and it's kind of how my, my mind kind of worked. But it's kind of what you were alluding to. The rules of the game in which Kirby was the king of recruiting, those rules have been changed. And here's my analogy. It's like if you were playing poker. Like the general contours of the game are still the same. Uh, you're still trying, like say, playing poker, you're still trying to match pairs, still putting down wagers, still calling and folding when, when necessary. And the ultimate goal is still the same. You still want to win as many pots, as much money as possible. But now we've added one big rule, right? One big rule change that maybe some people were already doing behind the scenes, kind of cheating a little bit, but most people probably weren't. But let's say now playing poker, you're going to have teammates sit behind your opponent and signal cards to you. And some players have more money or are willing to spend more money than other players so they can afford to kind of hire more teammates to help them win. So what would, what once used to be called cheating and was the genesis of a lot of righteous indign- indignation is now legal, Curtis. And that's kind of how I see NIL. 
You know, I mean, the, the broad contours of recruiting are still the same. You still call kids, you text kids, you host them on official visits, unofficial visits, show them facilities, go to their campuses, visit them. All those things are still the same. That hasn't changed. But the big rule change, NIL, has changed. It really has kind of changed everything because that used to be cheating, and now it's not. And some programs have more money, more resources, and more importantly, are more willing to go into that and actually maximize those resources than what we seemingly have been. So like you might have been the best poker player of all time before the rule change and in the old context, and now you're still really good. Just like we're still recruiting really well in the grand scheme of things. You're still one of the best, but you aren't the best anymore. Like you said, others are catching up with you. And if you apply that line of thinking to recruiting NIL, that's my concerns. That's why I'm not going to kill you with the seven girls. I get where you're coming from. And this idea that NIL is part of our pitch, but isn't central to our pitch, which Kirby says to himself, that's just, that you got to trust the man at, at face value. That's what he said. That I don't think is going to work much longer. I think we've got to find a way to go more, I, maybe all in. I don't know, but we've got to be more aggressive with NIL. And I would also say this, Curtis, I don't think this is just a Kirby thing. I think it's also an institutional thing. You know what I mean? Like a Georgia, like think about like, how we've done things in the past. Like even like with Todd Gurley, you mentioned Todd Gurley in the past, right? And, and AJ Green, how we've fallen on our sword for the NCAA, right? Because we want to do things the Georgia way, the right way. So I think there's this kind of like institutional resistance to it to a degree that's maybe above Kirby's pay grade, which I know is hard to say when it comes to football, but I, I kind of get that feel. So I think that's part of it. And you also have to have boosters, man. Like we've got boosters, but are they willing to pony up the way that Miami's guys are, the way that, AM's guys are. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, All I know and, is that we have lost guys that we would have otherwise got. Well, like, here's, here's where my thing is. If we're not, then we're not. You know, that was our whole thing with Mark Rick if, and then changing to Kirby. If you're either serious about winning or you're not, they sh- you know, we've made all these renovations to show we're serious. But now when we need them to step up again to show we're serious, we're not. And I know you're talking about boosters and money to spend. I don't, we don't have the oil money of AM and some of that money in Miami. We got for us to now be. Got some liquor, money. but that, but but I'm saying, but to now be outspent by the likes of Alabama, yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they're poor or don't have big boosters, which of course they do. But the fact is, we have the boosters just as much as Alabama. So sure. we can't. That that's my thing is like you're either all in or you're not. And hey, we got outbid by Florida for Kamari Wilson at the end of the last cycle. That that's Kamari Wilson. That's what happened. we're getting outbid by Tennessee. I mean, not that we wanted yep. that that quarterback, but they're ponying up. Yep. We're not ponying up and. Not to that it's level. The point, though, that we're going to miss and settle on some guys and say, oh, they're good team guys. Well, it's funny because forever it was the, it's the dudes that win the game. You know, we see that we have more dudes than other teams that we've played the last couple of years. Well, now we're facing the possibility of being on the other side of the equation where the other teams now have the dudes. And we're trying to out-coach them up in. We don't have the Jimmys and Joes anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's everything you're saying is very fair. The reason I'm not all the way there with you yet is because, number one, this class is not completely done yet. There's still time. I see what Kirby can do. I want to give him the benefit yeah. of the doubt there. And then number two, even if it is like a, a, only a top five to ten class this year, that's only one year. I know I'd rather it not be a one-year cycle like that, but it's a one-year deal, at least as of now. Now, if we're sitting here and it's like we'll see. December 2023, it's, it's two years in a row, then I will freak out. But right now, I don't – Well, I no, just, see, I my, my thing is, my thing is if, we, if we come to December and then February and this is where we're at, where we're at now, 
that is two years in a row because last year we had a good class, but we were passed up by some of these guys who wouldn't spend money. And then year two, it's happening again. And the fact is, while I know this class isn't over, my worry is high because things haven't changed enough. And if they're not going to, ch- if it's not going to change much more, then what do we expect to really change between now and December? Not much. Yeah, I mean, fairly. We were still top three last year. In my opinion, if you're top three, you were among the, the most elite. In the country, yeah, well, no, margin. I get that. We were still, we were still top three. But the fact is, it's going to be consistent step backs is what we're facing. Yeah, we're, and, and, and Chris, that's where I'm. I'm a, I, I kind that's where I kind of agree with you. That's like I'm. I'm, I'm at a three because like I'm. I'm trying to be patient and give Kirby time to to write this and fix it and try to have some, some perspective. But because like, again, I, I think one class between like five and 10 is not going to kill you. But this, but honestly, Chris, you're exactly right. I mean, I can kind of look ahead and see where things are trending. And if we don't adjust and one class turns into two to three classes, and before you know it, now you have a top five to 10 roster instead of a top one to three roster. Well, now you've taken a step back into a different tier in the landscape of college football. Is, I mean, is that, that's kind of where you are, right? Exactly. And then not only that, but we're yeah. passed up by other teams now. And now we're right. playing catch up. Yeah, you're, you're no longer are you in the elite tier. You're now in that tier just below the elite to where maybe like, I don't know, has a and been there the past couple of years? Um, well, where we were like, under with Mark Rick. It's where, that's where yeah. we're that's, – I keep – I know I keep that's, harping that's back. Great, that's, yeah. But that's where yeah. we're headed, right back to that. And that's why we made a change. And we are supposed to have all this commitment because that was no longer acceptable. Well, well, we're we'll headed be, we'll in that direction, direction unless something changes. trend continues. And that's yeah, where I mean, I, I'm not quite all the way there with you because I – I have trust in Kirby to make the adjustments that need to be made. I, and I'm hoping this I, maybe trust, I trust him. I just, I think I'm more shocked. It's taking him this long. Like his change was not enough. And to, for people to say that he was willing to make changes for someone that's always been all in. And, you know, you talk about how he's relentless and all these th- adjectives to describe him, which are very true. Why is this the first time that it, it's, it's already a year in and you're not, fully committed in a way that everyone else is and getting passed up by guys that are not on the level fair. of you as a recruiter or your commitment. I think that's fair. Here's what I would ask you about that, though, Chris. How much does the – because the head coach is technically not supposed to have anything to do with NIL, technically. So how yeah, much we is know it that's, Kirby? We how know much that's, is it more of like a collective institutional booster thing that they're kind of dropping the ball? I think it's a BS that coaches aren't included. I mean, they say Nick Saban took over the head recruiting for Justice Haynes, so it just happens to be that when the head coach takes on a more active role in coach in recruiting him, that the yeah, NIL right. packages also increase. Yeah, I mean, like the idea that Jimbo Fisher is just like, I don't get nothing. I don't. I, don't I mean, you see the you see the you see the video of the coaches taking the kids at A and M on the trip and saying, you know, pointing up to the. Uh, yeah. to the suite saying these are the ones that are going to pay you. So it's obvious. So, and I mean, a lot I, of he's, not, he's is basically given their boosters like lists of guys and, and like the priority list. Like, Hey, here's this guy on top of our list. Pay him this much. Mo- yeah. Him so, I mean, the, right. that's the thing. Kirby's not blameless. Um, sure. he, it, okay. We may need others, but he's definitely, if he wanted this full commitment to be done, I have no doubt he would get it done because he's gotten it done with everything else. I totally get where you're coming from on that, man. I really do. And I guess I'll give you another analogy here to kind of support your point of view. I would argue the sky is not falling. I'm not even ready to say that we have a crack in the dam, but, you know, I I am a runner of sorts. You guys that have listened to this podcast for a while, you know that. I'm not an elite runner by any stretch of the imagination, but, I I mean, I'm not bad. I mean, I kind of hold my own, but let's just pretend that I was elite, that I was the best in my age class in the country. And let's say that Nike releases a new shoe, which they did um, not all not all that long ago. The Air Zoom Alpha Fly Next Percent. 
And if you guys that don't really run, if you're not into that, which is totally cool, sometimes I wonder why I even do that because it does kill the body. But if you guys aren't familiar with those shoes, those are the shoes that were specifically designed for the guy who Nike essentially was bankrolling to break the two-hour marathon barrier a couple years back. He eventually was able to do that wearing those shoes. Well, what did Nike do? Nike released those to the public with a big marketing campaign. Hey, wear these shoes. You can break a two-hour marathon, right? Well, what did people start to do? Well, all these runners out there, they start to buy these shoes up, right? And then all of a sudden, let's say in this scenario, I'm getting passed up by these guys. I used to be on the regular. I'm still running the same times. I haven't gotten any slower. I'm still training the same way that made me among the best in the country. And I'm still good. I'm still top five to 10, but I'm not consistently like top one to three like I was. Again, not in reality in this scenario. And what's the only thing that changed? Well, it's the shoe, which by the way, guys, I have tried these shoes. It's 100% an advantage. It's technology that's out of this world. It, the, the shoe literally like propels you forward. It's hard to explain. It like propels you forward. And this was like a legitimate debate. People actually were having this debate. Like, is it cheating if you wear these shoes? So if this, if, I, if this is me in this scenario, I was an elite runner. I'm still good, still a top five to 10, but not like top one to three like I was. What am I going to do? Well, A, I'm either going to play the holier than thou card and hold tightly to that wonderful, righteous indignation while I just continue to get passed up and continue to be good, but not elite. Or option B, I make the adjustment. I put my moral qualms to the side. I remove the handicap. I'm forcing all myself and I play by the same rules as everyone else. And in the process, I jump back ahead of the pack where I was before now that I'm playing by the same rules that they're playing by. And guys, I just lost Curtis. He's actually in the process of moving right now in the next couple of days, like I was a couple of weeks ago. So he just shot me a quick message saying that he had to go real quick. But I'll wrap things up here real quick. So as I was just saying, I do see where Curtis is coming from. I really do. But the reason that I'm at a three on the panic meter and not a seven like Curtis is, again, I just... I think that there's time left in this class. I think it's fair to say that things might potentially look bleaker this July than in July's the past couple of years. I think that's fair to say, but this class is not over. I trust Kirby. I have in the past at least trust him implicitly when it comes to recruiting because he's never let me down and I'm not going to lose the faith until he lets me down at the end of a full-on cycle. And that has yet to happen in his entire tenure here in Athens. So until it happens, I'm going to put my faith in Kirby Smart while also being aware of the challenges that we're facing in this new world of NIL when it comes to recruiting. I'm very aware of it. I'm cognizant of the issues it could pose for us if we do not adjust. I just happen to think that eventually Kirby will make those adjustments and we'll get this thing done. Because think about it this way, guys. Like, it's, is it out of the question that maybe we're just playing this game a little bit differently? You know, I, and this is just 100% speculation. Like, who knows? I don't know. But just kind of thinking about how business works, how deals get done in general, like outside of the football world, just like in the business world, maybe we're just kind of sitting back, waiting in the weeds, waiting to make those late offers. Because we've kind of gotten screwed over by some late offers, like in the last cycle, right? Maybe we're trying to do that to some other teams and maybe we'll see some late flips in the cycle. Maybe we're just not getting involved in the bidding wars right now because we don't want to drive up the prices right now. And we're going to try to swoop in later with those offers on the NIL front later in the process. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying it's possible. But I'm in a three right now, and this is not a Justice Haynes thing. If this was about Justice Haynes alone in isolation, my panic level would be at a zero because, like I said earlier, I 
I don't think he is a quote-unquote special talent. I think he's a really good player. I don't think he's a Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb level type guy. I just don't see that from him. And there are other guys out there that I think that we can go out and grab that could give us the same kind of production that he would be able to give us. And maybe some guys like Richard Young, who I believe are even better. There's just a long way to go in the cycle. And over the years of following recruiting, like I have done for going on 20 years now, I've just kind of learned to roll the punches and understand that it's a marathon and not a sprint, as cliche as that may sound. It's just true. So personally, I'm not freaking out. I'm not losing my mind. I know some of you are, which is cool, but we just want to come on here and give you guys a little bit of perspective. I'm actually glad that Curtis was seeing this a little bit differently. is more alarmed than I am so that you guys get a couple different viewpoints on this. So thank you guys for listening. You know, we always appreciate that. Curtis is going to be out of commission for the next two weeks on this podcast. Again, he's got to take the bar exam next week and then he's going on a much deserved vacation. So he'll be out for a couple of weeks, but no worries. I'll be here. Charlie's going to be here helping me out, kind of picking up the slack. We've got a lot of great stuff for you over the next couple of weeks. We've got a bunch of Scouting the Enemy episodes coming up here. We're going to have some coverage of SEC Media Days for you guys. We're going to start taking a look at the best players on the team. We're going to start taking a look at position battles. Once Fall Ken gets here in like two weeks, which is crazy to believe, but I am freaking pumped about it. Of course, we'll have some Fall Camp weekly recaps for you guys. So a ton of great stuff. We're going to work in some preseason mailbags too. Don't worry, we're going to have some mailbag episodes. So I know we've had a couple questions about that. Like, are we still doing mailbags? Yes, the answer is yes. We've just been trying to work in some preseason preview stuff for you guys. But keep the questions coming. If you've got them, send them in anytime you want. Send those in, guys, to go onto a running document I have. And we'll get to those questions over the next month and a half leading up to kickoff week one against the Oregon Ducks in Atlanta can't wait it's almost here guys but uh, we'll be back later on this week make sure to check back then thank you for listening for Curtis I'm Tyler and as always go dogs. <laughs>